0: You know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. <laughs> Pierce. Very easy. Tatum drives down and throws it down. This is my end. Say something. I'm be. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, how are we doing, how are we doing, and welcome to episode number 52 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. Hope everyone had a great weekend, hope it was lovely, hope it was super duper, hope it was delightful. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. Before I begin With episode 52, I would just like to give a shout out to my mom, my sister, and my father. Today is the 19-year anniversary that my father passed away, October 21st, 2000, due to a massive heart attack. He's the reason why I love basketball. He's the reason why I love the Boston Celtics, and I just want to let him know that I miss him, and I love him, and I hope he's proud, and I hope he can hear this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, or, or Stitcher up Upstairs with the big guy in heaven so uh, rest in peace dad I miss you and I love you so goddamn much and whew, okay just had to get through that but what's going on episode 52 banner branch podcast we're going to talk about a lot I say that every single week and maybe next week I'll stop actually saying it but for right now I didn't what are we going to talk about in this week's episode I'm going to give my team predictions overall record how many wins how they're going to do against certain divisions conferences if I think any of the players on the team could win awards or maybe get possible accolades, and then I'm going to do individual player predictions. And then regular season basketball is here. If you are listening on Monday or Tuesday, yeah, if you're listening on Monday or Tuesday, I can't speak. If you're listening on Monday or Tuesday, it's opening week. It's unbelievable. Tomorrow night or two nights from now, it will be the start of the Boston Celtics regular season. We'll preview the 76ers. We'll preview the Raptors and we'll preview the Knicks, all three opponents this week for the Boston Celtics before they take a week off to play the Bucks and then the Knicks again. So hopefully uh, the Celtics can grab two wins in the first two weeks and then we'll kind of go from there. But let me just, I need to be a little negative, I need to be a little negative here to start. I've been doing a lot of thinking lately and I'm a little concerned that this is going to be the same exact team from last year basketball-wise. I'm not saying morale. I'm not saying the smiles on the bench or the lack thereof. I'm, I'm not talking about any, any of that. I am talking about actual basketball purposes, not the BS, the, the side messages, the hidden messages spoken to the media. I'm talking about a point guard last year that is technically better than the point guard that the Boston Celtics have right now, where all where that point guard always needed the ball in their hands, and now you have the same exact one who had to have the ball in his hands for the last four or five years because he was the only important part or the only good part of his team down in Charlotte. So I'm a little nervous about that. Is this team basically the same? They can't rebound. They'll defend well. They'll hustle hard. But the point guard needs the ball in his hands a lot. It might take a lot of shots per game. A lot of them might be dumb. And a lot of them might not go in. So it's just interesting to see. Another thing that's kind of like last year. We're expecting young players to take big leaps. We're expecting Jason Tatum to take a huge leap. We're expecting Jalen Brown to take a huge leap. What if they don't? That is scary. That's why I'm glad Danny and Jalen Brown haven't reached an agreement yet for their extension, which is actually due today. So as you're listening to this... And I'm talking about, oh, the Celtics don't have a deal done with Jalen Brown. I bet you we wake up Monday morning after I post this podcast through Podbean that they make an announcement Jalen Brown signed. I guarantee it. And maybe I'll do like a Instagram live feed to talk about it, to express my feelings and emotions about it, because I'm a little iffy giving Jalen Brown a lot of money. He deserves a lot of money, but not like a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? Also... Another issue for this team. Is there enough basketballs to go around for everyone? Marcus Smart came off his best shooting season of his career. Is he ready to take a step back and maybe not be as productive as he was? We understand Marcus Smart's a team player. He only cares about winning, sure. But every once in a while a player's got to get his. Will there be enough for Gordon Hayward? Will there be enough for Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Carson Edwards? Because the way Carson Edwards is shooting the ball... He deserves to have more shots than anyone else on the team. For right now, I'm obviously kidding. I'm nervous that it might be the same team. You're relying on a player that might not be the same post-injury? So, I don't know. Are we relying on Gordon Hayward too much to take a leap after a terrible injury? Kind of like how Paul George did a couple years after his gross injury. Like, what if Gordon Hayward's never the same? That's a lot to bank on. It really is. So we're expecting Jalen and Jason to take these massive jumps that they didn't take last year. And we're expecting Gordon Hayward to make this massive jump post horrific injury. And what if he doesn't? That's all. I'm just throwing it out there that like, I'm not going to be surprised if it's the same team from last year, but I am hopeful that it will be better than last year. So hopeful that I think their overall record is going to be 50 wins and 32 losses Yes, folks, that is one win more than they had last year. So I may be hopeful that it's going to be better, but I'm not going to be hopeful that it's going to be a lot better because we have to be realistic about some things. We lost probably one of the best non-box scoring team players in the league in Al Horford. Aaron Baines is a defensive stud. and his canter is not the same. And we can go back and forth on comparisons like we did last week. So I think this team will go 50-32. They play 53 games against the Eastern Conference, and I think they will go 33-19. and 19. Last year, they went 35-17 and 17 against the East. And I just think there are some teams that they're just going to have some matchup problems with, and I'm going to break that down. First off, let's start with the Atlantic Division. They play 16 games against all the teams in the Atlantic Division, which is the division the Celtics are in, for those of you that don't know and are just casual Celtics fans. The Nets, the Raptors, the 76ers, and the Knicks. They play those teams in the NBA. You play the teams in your division four times. Two at home, two on the road. I think they'll go three and one against the Knicks, two and two against the 76ers, two and two against the Raptors, and three and one against the Nets. I'm just being realistic. I think the Celtics will have a couple tough games against the 76ers, and then I think there might be some games where the 76ers take off. And the Celtics beat him. Same thing with the Raptors. I think the Raptors are gonna be good. They're not gonna be great. So there'll be some games where if, if the Celtics can split with the Raptors, that could help them with the playoff seedings, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I think the Nets thing. I think last year was a good year for them. I don't think they're they got any better. Is D'Angelo Russell and Kyrie Irving the same player? Yeah, who's a better shooter? D'Angelo Russell, who's a better overall player? Kyrie Irving. So sure they might get better, but I think the Celtics overall have a better team for now, until Durant comes back, which won't be until next season. So, the other 37 games are going to go 23-13. and 13. In my opinion, they'll go 2-1 and one against the Hawks and the Pistons. I think the Pistons are going to be tough for the Celtics, just rebounding-wise, because the Celtics may not be that great rebounding-wise, but I think all the other pieces that the Celtics have are much better than the Pistons. And same with the Hawks. Good rebounding team, a lot of athletic bigs. Trey Young's ridiculous. So as long as they can kind of control themselves, that'll be interesting. But one thing we need to keep an eye on with the Hawks, the Hornets and the Hawks play four times a year. So I'm having a brain fart on the Hawks coach's name right now. He's good. I'm having a brain fart on it. But anyways, he knows how to defend Kemba. So how will Brad change that around? It'll be interesting. But I think two and one against the Hawks and the Pistons. I think they'll sweep their season series with the Hornets and the Cavs. Thanks for coming out they'll split with the magic and the heat. They'll go 2 and 2. I just don't think the heat I don't think the heat are going to be uh, as great as everyone thinks. I just think there are some matchup issues against the heat with some of their bigs. Their their guards are pretty good where I think Kemba can actually kind of be called out defensively in some of those series or just against the heat and then you guys know my feeling on the magic. Their athletic wings are ginormous, something that the Celtics don't have always wanted them to but they don't and then i see them having losing records to the bucks i think they're gonna go one and three i think they'll i honestly think the celtics can kind of grab that first win the day before halloween on october 30th they'll grab that win against milwaukee and that's it they'll lose the other three and then i think they'll go one and two against the pacers yeah i know we're better than the pacers they don't have depot yet Yeah, but for some odd reason, the Celtics just don't play that well against the Pacers in the regular season during Brad Stevens' time. And that's okay because what matters is sweeping them in the playoffs like we did last year. So that's what matters. So that's how I think it's going to be broken down in the Eastern Conference 33 and 19. Remember, they're going to win 50 games. That means they got to play 17 or so. They need to win 17 games against the Western Conference, and I think they're going to do that. I think they're going to go 17-13 and 13 against the Western Conference. Last year, they were 14-16, and 16. and you're probably saying to yourself, but the West got so much better. You're so stupid. What are you talking about? I let, let me break this down. I think they're going to lose both games against the Clippers and the Nuggets. No questions asked, they're going to lose. Hopefully, like last year when Kyrie threw the ball into the stands in Denver, no one on the Celtics does that. I actually think that they can split with the Warriors. I'm sorry. I think they can split with the Lakers. I think they'll split with the Rockets. Split with the Jazz. Split with the Trailblazers. Because the Trailblazers always play terrible when they have to fly across the country to play the Celtics. I think they'll split against the Spurs, the Mavs, the Kings, and the Suns. Because, folks, we all know, for whatever reason, the Celtics cannot win a normal basketball game down in Phoenix. Isaiah Thomas, buzzer beater, uh marcus morris buzzer beater it's a thing it happens i do not think that they will lose the game to the warriors i do think there'll be a season sweep against the warriors i think the celtics create a lot of matchup problems for the warriors so warriors will go 0-2 against the celtics that will beat the pelicans twice timberwolves twice thunder twice and the grizzlies twice for a total of 17 and 13 against the western conference so my final prediction, like I mentioned earlier, 50-32 and 32 will be their record overall, and they'll finish in third place in the Eastern Conference. And uh, I don't know, maybe fourth, but could be Raptors, could be Pacers. But yeah, it's going to be tight, but I'm thinking 50 wins for this, this season's Boston Celtics team, one better than last year. Possible awards, possible accolades that some of these Celtics players could get. For example, I believe, I hope, I pray dear six pound eight ounce baby jesus that jason tatum and kemba walker will both make the all-star team i don't think either of them will start because you know it's based on votes and Kyrie will get voted in before kemba because Kyrie's following is a massive one as it should be i think gordon hayward will finish in second place in the voting for most improved player i think gordon hayward's going to improve a great deal from what he did last year I don't want to say he's going to get back to his all-star form. I don't think he'll ever get back to that again because of his injury. That's life. Life goes on. But I do think, I honestly really and truly think, that if he can get back to 80 or 85% of that, he will come in second in the most improved player voting. Marcus Smart. I think Marcus Smart, now that he is technically from a, based on the preseason games, and we really can't judge it on that, but Marcus Smart will be our sixth man. And I think Marcus Smart will finish in third in the voting for sixth man of the year in the NBA. Lou Williams will probably win it again, like he always does, as he always should, because he's the be- the best off-the-bench off player you could argue in NBA history. He's that good. Lou Williams is great. And I do think, I don't want to say Marcus is going to take a step back defensively. I just think he'll be noticed differently, and he will still make... An all NBA defensive team, but only be the second team and not the first team like he did last year. Keep an eye on that. Carson Edwards. I believe Carson Edwards will make the NBA all rookie team. I don't think it will be first. You know, you think it's probably going to be Garland, maybe Colby White, Zion, RJ Barrett. It's usually someone in the top, you know, 10, 12 picks. Carson Edwards, second round pick. He will be second team all rookie. Those are my hopes, possibilities for awards and accolades for the upcoming season. So individual player predictions. What do I think? We'll start with the guys who won't be playing that much to the guys who should have the best season. Really in no order, but we'll just start there. Taco Fall. He will dress, this is my prediction, he will dress for three Celtics games this year and he will only play in one of them. And the one will be at home. I don't know which game, but I think Taco plays at least one game at TD Garden this year. He dresses for a couple, but only actually plays in one. Javante Green. Congratulations to Javante Green. He made the 15th and final roster spot. They cut Casier Gates. They cut Max Struss which I'm a little upset about, but I understand Javante Green had a great training camp, a great couple preseason games, so good for him. He has struggled to get in the NBA. He has struggled to get a chance. He's 26 years old. He has finally proved himself, so congratulations to Javante Green. And my prediction is that he will actually take over Semi-Osholay's minutes, eight, nine, maybe ten minutes a game. On average, I'm not saying he's going to play 10 minutes every game. There'll be some where he plays like 15 due to garbage time, and that will bump up the average a little bit. But I do believe that Javante Green will be a more athletic, a more productive Chemi Ojale. Romeo Langford. I'm going to go out on a limb and just say Romeo Langford is going to be hurt for most of the year and whatever. I still don't like the draft pick. I still don't see what they see in that kid. I still don't see how he fits on this team in any way, shape, or form. So, on to the next one, Brad Wanamaker. I am going to go out on the limb and say Brad Wanamaker is going to average double-digit minutes this season, 10, 11 minutes a game, and he'll also average at least three assists a game. Last year, he averaged 1.5 assists, and I just don't think he had enough chance or opportunity with how much Kyrie and Terry and Marcus demanded to play the point guard position. So now... You got Kemba, you got Marcus. Sure, you have Carson Edwards too, but Brad Wanamaker could play the point. Carson Edwards could play the two-guard. Carson Edwards isn't the same defender as Brad Wanamaker is. Brad Wanamaker is a better defender, more physical, isn't really looking for his shot, likes to control an offense, is a true point guard, if you will. So I can see Brad Wanamaker getting some minutes. And being productive by helping other players out on the floor that's on him. And then we have my man, Vincent... That's right. Vincent will lead the team in illegal screens. Yep, absolutely. And being fly. That dude is one fly-ass mother trucker. I'll tell you that right now. If you guys follow him on Instagram, I don't know what it is off the top of my head. I think it's like Vinny P something. But... He, that guy has some swag. He, the, his suits, his car, the way he dresses. It's like the definition of like a badass French guy. And he's awesome. And I'm all for it. So Vincent will lead the team in illegal screens. But he will also be in the top four in rebounds per game for this team. Not in the league, just for the team overall. I believe he's going to get more minutes than what we saw in the the preseason or so I'm hopeful because I think he just brings the same kind of mentality that Aaron Baines brings be physical be active hustle call it a day he's not looking to score he just wants to he just wants to set a good screen and just knock someone out you know and and, and I love that Grant Williams Grant Williams I believe will lead the team in fouls he is going to be like Kelly Olynyk the first two years like Kelly Olynyk. He would check into the game and get fouled. That That's how it would work for him. So Grant Williams is going to kind of be that same thing. But I also think Grant Williams, because he does so many great things, like Al Horford, I'm not comparing him to Al Horford, just saying that he does things that makes the team better. That's all. that I think Grant Williams, when we look at his overall plus minus, he will finish in the positive. Then we have Semi Ogilvy. Semi-Ogele will lead the team in negative plus minus. That's how down I am on Semi-Ogele. Do you guys know that Semi-Ogele last year almost shot worse than 40% from the field? Not from three, but from the field. That's disgusting. And you know what my prediction is this year? semi ozole is going to shoot less than 40% from the field this year. Yep, because every single time he goes in there now, he's going to be worried about Javante Green, he's going to be worried about his minutes, and he's going to overthink, and he's going to make terrible decisions, and I'm not happy about it. So yeah, that's that. Then we have the Time Lord, Robert Williams III, number 44. I think he will lead the team in in blocks and dunks. I know, crazy hot takes from me. I know, thank you, Captain Obvious. But I will say this, I don't think the Time Lord finishes in the top five in rebounds per game for this team. I think, I mentioned it last week, I think one of the big issues when it comes to rebounding for this team is the Time Lord, because the Time Lord loves to block shots. The Time Lord wants to send your shot over the moon, and whenever he tries and flies out on a shooter to try and block him, he's so far away from the basket that he can't get rebounds. It's great to see, but it's also very infuriating. Very, very infuriating sometimes because you kind of just want him to stand on on his feet. Just put your hand up, dude. You're long enough. Your wingspan's long enough. Just put a hand in the face, turn around, box out, and go get the ball. That's what I'm hoping from Time Lord. I also think Time Lord will be the starting center for this basketball team when the playoffs start. Tice is probably going to be your starting center to start the season. I think it just makes a lot of sense. Maybe not against Embiid, but we'll talk about that shortly. But I just think Time Lord, come the playoffs, he'll have another season under his belt. Brad will trust him more. He'll know what to do and what not to do. And I think Time Lord will be your starting center when the playoffs start. Now let's, we, let's get into the guys who are really going to be playing guaranteed minutes almost every night. First one, Carson Edwards. What a performance he put on the other night. And we'll talk about that in a little bit against the Cavs. But. I think Carson Edwards is going to play 17 and 19 minutes a game. I don't think he's going to be playing as much as Terry Rozier because I think him and Brad Watermaker might be splitting some time, and I think Brad might be playing the Smarts and Kembas and Tatums and Browns and Haywards a lot more than we actually think. But 17 and 19 minutes per game is what I'm going to predict for Carson Edwards, and I think he will lead the team in three-point field goal attempts. Not makes attempts i think when he goes out there he's ready to fire it up. i mean he took 15 three pointers in a preseason game and i don't even think he played in the fourth quarter so that's literally five per quarter and he got hurt earlier in the game but again i digress we'll talk about it later ennis canter ennis Cantor he's tough because i don't think he's gonna get as many minutes as i think he's gonna get like a good chunk of minutes you know 22 23 maybe even 25 minutes a game but I think people actually thought that he would be like a starter and getting like a lot of minutes. I just don't think that's gonna be the case. I think what's most important is that him and Kemba get on the same page. Because there will be times, you know, late first quarter where Kemba stays out on the court, Tatum plays his seven or eight minutes, Jalen plays his seven or eight minutes, and then it's gonna be like Kemba, Smart, Grant Williams, and his cantor out on the court together. And I need Ennis Cantor and Kemba to be on the same page because Cantor has great hands off the pick and roll. He finishes so well around the rim. He's a great post player. So I need him and Kemba to be on the same page, just kind of like I need Marcus Smart and the Time Lord to be on the same page off the bench. I also think that Ennis Cantor will average more rebounds per game for this team than he will points per game for this team. And that's fine because that just means better canter banter segments. I'm all for that. So more rebounds than points per game for Ennis Cantor. I also think that there will be not one, not two, but three games this season where Ennis Cantor will have 20 or more rebounds, whether it's 20, 22, 23, whatever the case may be. But three games out of the 82 this season, Ennis Cantor will have at least 20 rebounds in a game. So that's my, that's one of my wilder predictions. But I think everything else I've said so far is reasonable. Maybe a little bit of a stretch, but I'm trying to be positive. And if I'm right, I look like a genius. And if I'm wrong, I can just be like, hey, you know what? I was shooting for the moon. I was shooting for the stars, and it just didn't work out. All right, Daniel Tice. I think Daniel Tice will actually have more assists than Al Horford did last season. I know you're saying, what? What are you talking about? I think Daniel Tice realizes his role a great deal here. I think Daniel Tice will not take as many three-point shots as he did. I think Daniel Tice, if he, If he can understand that, like, when he gets the ball at the top of the key, and if Gordon Hayward goes down and sets a screen for Jalen Brown, if Jalen Brown curls properly, catches, and attacks the rim as he should, he can go in for a layup. Daniel Tice gets an assist. So I fully believe that Daniel Tice will have more assists than Al Horford did last season. But I also, like I said, I think Daniel Tice will be the starting center. Until the All-Star break, and then after the All-Star break, I really think, obviously depending on the health of certain players, how matchups are, depending on where they are in the standings for playoff seating, I can see Brad kind of messing around with some lineups, maybe putting the Time Lord in, or Ennis Cantor in, or Daniel Tice back in, or maybe Vincent Pley. Who knows? I honestly don't know. So I think until at least the All-Star break, Daniel Tice will be your starting center. But I also know that Daniel Tice has some injury issues too. Marcus is smart. Will he be the captain of this basketball team? Does he deserve it? Sure, you could argue it. But I think after last year, I just think no one should be the captain of this team. No one should be higher than anyone else. Everyone should be on the same page, and let's do it. But with that being said, I think Marcus Smart will take a small step back shooting the ball. I don't think he'll be as confident just because I don't think he'll get as many opportunities. Because let's be honest, when he's on the court, let's say the second unit comes out. It's Smart. Edwards, Grant Williams, Ennis Cantor, and one starter like Tatum. I think you'd rather have Carson Edwards, Jason Tatum, or Cantor in the post shoot it versus Marcus Smart just chucking it up and hoping that it works out. So I think Marcus takes a small step back shooting. Not like huge. Like I think Marcus shot like 36% from three last year, or maybe it was like 37%. i would have to look it up, but he shot above 35%. So I think this year he just shoots. from three. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Great. I also think him and Time Lord need to get on the same page. I really enjoyed what I saw between him and Time Lord in that third preseason game against the Cavs at TD Garden. It was awesome. The lobs, how they set screens for each other, they were looking for each other. I really enjoyed that, and if they can get on the same page and be the same team, that that I don't want to say it's a dangerous pick-and-roll because, obviously, are you going to leave Marcus Smart open for a three-pointer versus, like, Kemba Walker? Like, yes, you're going to leave Marcus Smart open compared to Kemba Walker off of pick-and-roll. But I think if they can get on the same page, I think that will be huge for the bench, 1,000%. Now, with all that being said, his scoring might go back a little bit. He might throw some more lobs to the Time Lord. I think Marcus Smart averages 12 points per game for this team, which I think is perfect. Not too many. You know, like 16 points a game for Marcus Smart, I feel like is just too many. Like, it just feels uncomfortable. I'd rather have him, you know, 12 points, 5 boards, 6 assists, 3 steals, 4 fouls, 28 minutes. Like, that's the perfect Marcus Smart stat line. You know, and picked up 2 off, or caused 2 turnovers, which are offensive fouls. That's 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 the type of shit that I need from Marcus Smart. So shooting goes back a little bit, but he boosts his points per game because last year I think it was 10 or maybe even 9. But this year, 12 for Marcus Smart. Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown, I have probably one of the hottest takes that I've ever said on this program, this podcast program. Last year, I think I yelled at Jalen Brown for not passing the ball as much as he should. Probably if we had 47 episodes in the first season, 47 times, that's how many times I yelled at Jalen Brown for not passing the ball to his teammates more. I can see a lot from the last row of the balcony. Okay. I don't understand by the way, why people like to sit behind the basket. Why? So you can be close to see what you don't see the, the play form, the, the, backboard the the backboard like stanchion that it's all there anyways so I can see a lot from up top and I can see plays develop I can see backdoor cuts probably a lot easier than someone sitting eight rows behind you know the basket or behind the courtside seats on the baseline there were so many times that Jalen Brown missed a teammate it was ridiculous so with that being said and all that ranting I just did, Jalen Brown is going to have 10 five-assist games this year. Last year, just so you guys know, I don't think, I'm going to look this up right now because I'm so confident that this is one of the hottest takes I've ever had in my entire life. I don't think Jalen Brown last year had more than four three-assist games. That's what I'm going to go for. 'Cause I, I talked about it all the time and you're probably saying to yourself right now, yeah man, it's it was kinda it was kind of annoying. Like I, I actually I actually hated it. So last year, Jalen Brown had one, two, three, four, five, six games with four assists. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine games with three assists, and only one game with five assists. And that one game where he had five assists, they actually lost by three against the New Orleans Pelicans, January 16th, 2018. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of volley. Oh, this is, wait, this is actually, oh, this is, hold on. Those numbers are actually last year's, uh, I'm sorry, his r- rookie year numbers. Let's look at last year's numbers. Oh, man, I bet you this is worse. Oh, yeah, much worse. Okay, so last year. Sorry, what I gave you was his 2017-2018 numbers. These are his 2018-2019 numbers. Three, four assist games, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He had 11 three assist games, and that's it. So, uh, So many less assists. It's actually crazy to me. Absolutely crazy. I'm trying to get the actual totals. So his rookie season, he had 64 assists. His second season, when they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals and lost to the Cavs in Game 7 at TD Garden, he had 114 assists. And then last year, he only had 100. But this season, he will have 10 games with 5 or more assists. I am confident in that. I also believe that Jalen Brown is going to win the Taco Bell Skills Challenge at All-Star Weekend. Yep, that's right. Taco Bell. I just did the Taco Bell thing. You're goddamn right, I just did that. I'm so glad I still have that sound bite from last year. But, anyways, Jalen Brown will have 10 five assists, will have 10 games where he has five assists or more. He will win the Taco Bell skill challenge. And this is not a prediction, it's just more of like a demand. Like, if you don't do this, I swear to God, I'm going to lose my goddamn mind. Jalen Brown's rookie season. from the free throw line. 2018-2019 season. I'm sorry. His rookie season. I need to be able to read, huh? If I'm going to be giving out these stats. His rookie season, 68%. 2017-2018, 64%. 2018-2019, 65%. From the free throw line. Jalen Brown has to shoot 75% or better from the free throw line. Like, I am pounding my fist. It has to happen. It has to happen. I refuse to watch Jalen Brown have another terrible year from the free throw line. I refuse. I can't do it. I'm not going to pay some dude a gazillion dollars that doesn't score more than 20 points a game and can only shoot 65% from the free throw line. I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm not. And I, hope, I, and I hope Danny agrees with me. So Jalen Brown needs to shoot 75% or better from the free throw line. Up next, Gordon Hayward. How are we doing, bud? Really excited to see you at like 110% healthy. Not 110% back to what Gordon Hayward was out in Utah or Butler, but 110% healthy. I think Gordon Hayward will lead the team in assists this season. Yeah, he's that good of a facilitator. He's that good of a playmaker when he puts the ball in your hands. We will see Gordon Hayward bring up the ball a lot Even if Kemba Walker's on the floor, I think Brad is going to have Kemba come off a lot of screen, a lot of off-ball screens to create matchups. So Kemba can be put on fours or fives, you know, like power forwards or centers, whatever the case may be. I really and truly think that Brad's going to do that. You know who's going to dish him that ball? Gordon Hayward. You're goddamn right. Gordon Hayward will average 17 points, five rebounds, and five assists per game. That's my prediction for him. And I also think he'll have five or more games with 30 points or more. Yeah. Yeah, I just said that. Last year, remember those like two or three games that he had? I think two of them were actually against the Timberwolves. One in Minnesota and then one at TD Garden. I forget the other one. Was that the game against the Mavs where he was like an assist shy of a triple-double? And that's like when I booed Brad Stevens for the first time. Yeah, that might have been it. But anyways, Gordon Hayward will get 17-5-5 per game and score 30 points or more in five different games. For real, that's my prediction there. So, who do we have left? Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker. Jason Tatum, this is going to be my mortal lock. You know, like you're gambling or something. I'm not a big gambler, but this will be my mortal lock. Jason Tatum, out of the... Let's say Jason Tatum plays 75 games this year. Jason Tatum will have 30... Double doubles this season. For those average fans out there, what's a double double where you get like 10 or more points, 10 or more assists, or 10 or more rebounds, whatever the case may be. Just double figures in two different statistical categories. Make sense? So I think Jason Tatum will have 30 double doubles this season with rebounding and scoring. Last year, he had 21 games with eight rebounds or more. That's really good. So let's bump that up to 30 to help you make that big jump that we all want you to make. And also, more importantly, get you to that all-star game. Also, and finally, with Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum, his rookie season, went to the free throw line 3.2 times per game. That's how many times he took a free throw. Three times per game. Last year, 2.9. So it went down. Jason Tatum is going to average six free throws per game this season. That's right, 30 double doubles and an average of six free throws taken per game this season for Jason Tatum. That's my prediction because I really think he's going to attack the basket more. I don't not as much as he's been yapping about, but I think he's going to attack the basket a little bit more. I think he now knows when to and when not to. Last year it was, I'm not going to. This year is, I know when to. So, that kind of sounded like a like jitsu type of thing. Know when to, when no, not to. Anyways, Kemba Walker. Last year, he scored 25, dished out 6, and shot 35% from 3. Pretty good, right? Again, a guy who really needs a ball in his hands, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast. I think his scoring goes down a little bit just because of the other pieces around him. He's never had these type of pieces around him. He's never had a Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown or Gordon Hayward, whatever the case may be. He ha- he hasn't played with those type of guys before. So his scoring goes down, but I think his assists go up. So I think he scores about 22 a game. He has seven assists per game for the most part. And then he shoots better from three. I think he goes from 35% to 39% because I think now he's going to have more open shots and More of the ability to get open off those off-ball screens with Gordon Hayward bringing the ball up like I mentioned earlier. And finally, I don't know how Kemba's done this, but it was one of the first things that we all noticed when the Celtics signed Kemba Walker in July when free agency started. But Kemba has only missed six games in the last four seasons. Kemba hasn't had a really deep playoff run. So I want Kemba to rest up a little bit. So I want Kemba to play... 70 games this year I want him to take 12 nights off load management you know if he has like a twisted ankle or something don't rush him back I need Kemba in May not January do you know what I'm trying to say so that's what I hope for Kemba 22 points 6 or 7 assists a game his 3 point shooting goes up a great deal more than 35 from 35% and he only plays 70 games but I want it to be like because he needed rest, not because he's actually hurt. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Great. Alright. That was a lot, wasn't it? Well guess what? We still got more. Previewing opening week. The Boston Celtics regular season's finally here. We can actually start talking about real basketball, and it gives me a little gives me a little banner in my pants. You know what I'm trying to say? But the Celtics have three games this week. Opening week, three games. They start off in Philadelphia against the Philadelphia 76ers at 730 PM on ESPN. Whoop whoop. Friday opening night TD Garden. The place is gonna be a rocking, and I'm very excited for it. 7 p.m. against the defending NBA champions, Toronto Raptors. And then Saturday, their first back-to-back of the season, at Madison Square Garden at 7:30 p.m. against the New York Knicks. So, let's talk opening night against the 76ers. I can see, like, I can see the headline now: Joel Embiid drops 40 and 15 as the 76ers destroy the Celtics I can see Joel Embiid scoring 40 points getting 15 rebounds and everyone saying clear-cut front runner for MVP Joel Embiid I can see I can see it happening you know what that's okay it really is this team is gonna it's gonna take a week or two for this team to really get going and I think they have a good a good schedule to kind of get going sure 76ers tough game Raptors I think they can split the Knicks they should win the Bucs they sh- I can see them winning that one. Knicks should be a win. Cavs should be a win. Hornets should be a win. Spurs should be a win. Mavs should be a win. Then the Wizards should be a win, and then they go on their West Coast trip. So if the Celtics can go, what? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. If the Celtics can start this season 7-3 and three before they go on their West Coast road trip, or 6-4, and four, I, i'm i'm content with that but i prefer seven and three i can see it happening like if like right now off that schedule I, if they lose to the raptors the 76ers and the bucks that's fine but they win the other seven games so be it let's make it happen so it's okay i think i'm trying to say this the right way i think there is more pressure on the philadelphia 76ers than there is on the boston celtics not only opening night but overall in general I think the entire city of Philadelphia knows that the process is here. You know, trust the process. That was a big saying. The process is here, and it better work out because there's a lot of money on the line. There's a lot of money with Horford. There's a lot of money with Embiid. There's a lot of money with Tobias Harris, there's a lot of money with Ben Simmons. This is their best shot at making it to the NBA Finals, and they better do it. And it's all going to rely on the health of Joel Embiid. And the way it's been going lately, over the last few years with Joel Embiid, it's tough to really trust his health but who knows Al Horford like I said could teach him how to play differently defend differently keep his body in better shape than he has before so the 76ers are scary folks straight up they're starting five versus our starting five who's going to defend who you know if Tice starts Tice is going to get used abused and destroyed by Embiid Embiid would then get doubled Most likely, if Tice is on him. But then, who's coming down to defend him? Is it going to be Brown? Is it going to be Hayward? What's Kemba going to do? Kemba and Tice, Guardian Bede, he'll laugh. So, it's interesting to see where they're going to bring in Gordon, where they're going to bring in Brown, where they're going to bring in Tatum to double. But then, you got to figure out who's going to be on who to begin with. You figure Kemba's going to be on Josh Richardson because Kemba is too short, like eight inches shorter. Maybe even nine inches shorter than Ben Simmons, so he can't guard him. So you figure Kemba's gonna be on Josh Richardson. I'm gonna guess Hayward's gonna be on Tobias Harris. And then is Brown gonna be on Horford? Is Tatum gonna be on Horford, which then means Brown's gonna be on Simmons? And, you know, so who's guarding Horford, which then means who's guarding Ben Simmons? That's gonna be really interesting. It's gonna be Tatum sometimes, it's gonna be Hayward sometimes. It's gonna be Brown, and then who if that's who's guarding? Simmons who's gonna guard Horford. So that's gonna be very, very interesting. I it's it's just so weird because a huge key to this game is letting Ben Simmons beat you outside of the paint. Everyone's talking about how he hit a three pointer in preseason. If you don't let Ben Simmons inside the free throw line, can you trust him? Like if you start hitting elbow jumpers. I'll deal with that, you know, but like if he starts hitting three-pointers, then I'm going to get all jacked up on Mountain Dew. But I felt like Brad has always done a good job with Ben Simmons and controlling him and making sure he doesn't get into the paint where he's extraordinary at. He's so good at being in the paint, finishing, finishing with contact, even though he's not a great free-throw shooter. So that's very interesting. But the number one key to this game outside of Ben Simmons, limiting Ben Simmons inside the paint is rebounding the ball. The Celtics have to rebound the ball. I'm not saying they have to win the rebound battle, but if the if it's fifty to thirty, that's not good. If it's fifty to forty, I'll take it. It just has to be somewhat reasonable. The other thing is, is we Embiid is going to get doubled by the Celtics. But you know who you cannot leave open? Like Josh Richardson's a, a reasonable shooter in the NBA. Ben Simmons, whatever. Al Horford you know, we all know he's hit or miss from three. But Tobias Harris, when you leave him open, he'll hit a jump shot. Whether it's from three, step in, whatever the case may be, he'll hit it. So let's not keep Tobias Harris too open. And then the other issue is the bench. The Celtics bench has to outplay the 76ers bench. You could argue that the Celtics have a better bench. For example, Marcus Smart has to play better than Zaire Smith. Zaire Smith is going to be the sixth man for this team, I think, for the 76ers. And he has to play large and in charge. But here's the thing. Marcus Smart also has to keep his cool. He has to control himself. Remember last year when the Celtics were winning that game? I think it was in March. Maybe it was in February. And he pushed Joel Embiid when the Celtics were up. And then the Celtics lost when they should have won that game. Who knows what could have happened? The season could have gone differently. Carson Edwards has to play better than Trey Burke. Trey Burke sounds familiar, right? Yeah, the guy who went off against the Celtics when he was playing for the New York Knicks. Edwards has to play, maybe not play better, but he just has to shoot the ball better than Trey Burke, so that'll be interesting. Oh, thought I had a burp. Nope, that's back-to-back weeks where I thought I had a burp, and I didn't. Sorry, John Curley, my buddy. I know he loves when I burp during the show. And then, Cantor, Time Lord, Grant Williams. They're going to have to control Mike Scott and Kyle O'Quinn on the boards. Those are the guys off the bench. They're going to be physical. They're going to be ready to go. All they're asked of is score. If you're wide open, if not defend and rebound. So those guys have to play better. Speaking of defensively, their rookie Thibel. Remember the kid from Washington that like defensively, I was like, yes, please. But offensively, I'm all set. He's on the 76ers team. He had a pretty good preseason. You've got to keep your eyes on him. It's going to be very, very interesting to see how, Um, Brett Brown plays Theibel. Very interesting, because he could lock up Jason Tatum. I'm not saying like give him a goose egg, statistically. I'm just saying he can make Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown or or Gordon Hayward feel uncomfortable. So, opening night against the 76ers, am I expecting a win? No. Would it be great? Of course. But if they lose, it's not the end of the world. Sure, I hate the 76ers. I hate the Philadelphia fans. Sure, et cetera, et cetera. You can say all that. But, like, I'm also trying to be realistic here, too. The 76ers are a better basketball team than the Boston Celtics. So if you lose, it's okay to admit that you lost to a better team. But if they win, huh, that's good. Huh. Love that. Love that. All right, opening night, TD Garden, 7 p.m., Toronto Raptors. Is there such a thing in the NBA as a world championship hangover? Who knows? They played all the way into June. Marcus Gasol... Then played an unbelievable FIFA World Cup for Spain. He was fantastic for Spain. So, playing in June, six or seven weeks off, playing in the FIFA Cup, a couple of weeks off, training camp, NBA. What is Marc Gasol condition going to be like? Maybe he's in fine condition right now, but what is that going to be like in March? Very interesting to, to see. What will Ky- Kyrie, Kyrie, Kyle Lowry look like? We all know on this podcast that I hate Kyle Lowry. I mean, Good for him for winning a ring. Good for him for the Toronto Raptors. He's been with that organization forever, so like salute to him. But besides that, I hate him. He just had thumb surgery. How is he going to look? Is his shot going to improve? How much is that offense going to be relied on him? That'll be very interesting. couple matchups that I'm looking forward to. OG Inobi versus Jalen Brown. Two young, potential rock stars in this league. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Then you have Jason Tatum and Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam just signed a four-year max extension with the Toronto Raptors. His production has gone up every single year in the league that he's been there. You could say better production than Jason Tatum, and guess what? He's a world champion, too. Both are supposed to have major breakout seasons. Again, can Siakam fulfill that uh, Kawhi Leonard role that the Raptors had last year? Can he do that? I don't know. Maybe offensively, but I don't think defensively. So that'll be interesting. And also, like always, the Raptors have a good bench. They really and truly do. Can Smart and Edwards and Cantor keep up with Powell and Van v- and Van Vliet and Stanley Johnson and Rondé Hollis Jefferson? It's going to be very, very interesting. But again, and I'm going to be saying a lot this year, one of the big goals for the 76ers, rebound. One of the big goals for this Raptors game, rebound. you got to rebound, rebound, rebound against this Raptors team. And when you do rebound, you got to get up and go. Serge Ibaka can't get up the court the way that he used to. Same with Marcus Gasol. So when you get that rebound, if you're Daniel Tice, you turn, you keep that ball above your head, and you throw an outlet pass like there's no tomorrow, and everyone else better fill their lanes and run, 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 run. That's how it's going to have to be. Attack the basket, get Gasol, and Siakam, and Ibaka in foul trouble, and you can win this basketball game. And then finally the first back-to-back of the season against the New York Knicks, Madison Square Garden, and we finally get to play against stand-by-your-man Marcus Morris. And my mortal lock of the week, like, I know I mentioned Jalen Brown and how confident I was with his assist, but this is the most on-point hot take that I will have this week, maybe ever. Marcus Morris... Stand by your man, Marcus Morris, is going to score 20 points and have nine rebounds against the Celtics on Saturday night, October 26th at 7.30 p.m. Madison Square Garden. That is a fact. It's not even a prediction. It's a fact. That's what's going to happen. It's basically already happened. Stand by your man, Marcus Morris. All right. The Knicks roster isn't that bad. I just don't know how it's going to work (laughs) in plain English. Julius Randle, he's a monster inside. Guaranteed he'll have a double-double in this game. Bobby Portis, long, athletic. He's a psychopath. He punched one of his teammates in the face. R.J. Barrett, he's a Duke guy. I watched R.J. play next to Zion for a full year. I watched every single Duke game that I could. When he gets going, he's really good, but he can struggle. When When his shot's off, he gets really frustrated, and he thinks he has to do more than what he's actually supposed to do and if gordon hayward or jalen brown or jason tatum can kind of disrupt him defensively then rj barrett will be in for a long night you also can't sleep on dennis smith jr very athletic point guard i don't want to say he like reminds me of derrick rose but just a quick one off off the dribble and he can fly his bounce when he gets close to the rim, is legit. Kevin Knox is a great shooter. And then Frank, I can never pronounce his name, Nick, Nicolina, Nick Nicotaglia? Anyways, it's not Vincent Ploé. But anyways, he played a really good World Cup, FIBA World Cup for France. So keep an eye on him. That's pretty good. Here's the thing. They do not have like a big lineup like the Celtics do. Like Bobby Portis is probably their biggest guy, you know, and Cantor's bigger than him. Time Lord's bigger than him etc etc so as long as the celtics i'm trying to say this the right way as long as the celtics small lineup can go 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 and run 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 and hit their shots the celtics win this game with these this is also their first home game the next first home game of the season i think they start they have two or three road games before they go to MSG for this game against the Celtics. So a lot of pressure. How is RJ Barrett going to play in his first game at Madison Square Garden? So a lot of pressure on this Knicks team. A lot of people are thinking positively about this Knicks team for once. So that that can be interesting. And just a reminder, last year this Knicks team did give a lot of trouble to the Celtics. The, the first Saturday night of the season last year, Jason Tatum had to hit that turnaround jumper at the buzzer. Let's not forget about that. And then Trey Burke went off at the Garden and they got absolutely destroyed the first time they wore those new white uniforms with the green lettering and the, the yellow like border or outline of the green lettering. So keep that in mind. The Celtics cannot take any nights off this year. And so this is a perfect example of hoping to have a deep lineup and hoping that, hey, if... Tatum and Brown go off against the Raptors, then hopefully maybe Brown and Gordon can go off against the Knicks. So keep that in mind. But those are my predictions for the upcoming season. That is how I think the first week of the season is going to go. Oh, and you know what? Hmm, here we go. We didn't do this. There's going to be no Cantor banter this week because uh, Ennis Cantor didn't play against the Cavs last week in the preseason game, but we can still do the stud and dud of the week. Hit the music, please. And now, it is time for the Celtics' stud and the Celtics' dud of the week. Okay, this week's stud and dud of the week heading into the opening week of the regular season. The stud is Carson Edwards. Did you guys see what he did in that Cavs game? Holy guacamole, that boy went off. Eight three pointers in five minutes and six seconds. My God! And it's not like they were reasonable. They were like from deep. They went. Whew, it was a quite the impressive shooting. But I, I, I just don't want him to get too trigger happy. But my God, if he can, if he can literally take f- f- nine threes a game and five minutes of play and hit it, you know. Seven or eight of them, I'm in. Let's let's do the damn thing. And then my dud is most likely all my predictions for the upcoming season. They're probably going to be all wrong. And I'm sorry in advance, but I was trying to be positive, more positive than usual. But I do think some of my predictions will be spot on. But for the most part, they'll all be duds. And that's going to be your stud and dud of the week. That is that for episode 52 of the Banner BannerBancher podcast. Next week, episode 53, available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Uh, Podbean, you name it, it's on it We'll talk about the first week We'll preview the Bucks game, we'll preview the Knicks game So on and so forth Thank you guys so much for listening I really appreciate it We'll talk to you guys soon You can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBancher18 Or on Facebook and Instagram At Podcast. Talk to you guys soon Toodles and noodles, X's and O's I'm out of breath I did a lot of talking tonight Bye bye Sorry but I'm gone, I'm history And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.